Welcome to the Ecom Wiz Podcast, a podcast that helps Amazon sellers to dominate the marketplace. And I do mean dominate. Dominate. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon influencers in the industry. This is the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Rob with uh, Feedback Wiz. I'm Chief Marketing Officer. And today I have a really special guest. Uh, who came all the way from Florida to meet with us. He's not only an Amazon seller, but he's also an attorney. And he's going to have a very interesting perspective of not only selling on Amazon, but some of the, the difficulties that you deal with legally on Amazon. Exactly. So please put your hands together and welcome Jeff Schick. All right. Thank you, everyone, for having me. Um, like Rob said, uh, I've been selling on Amazon for eight years. It was actually how I paid for law school and part of college. So it was uh, started off small back in 2011 when it was the Wild West days of Amazon. Um, then grew to over seven figures, as just as I learned. And uh, so it's kind of it's been a re- unique path because I always went into like law school classes looking for things that I saw as being problems on Amazon because I want to be able to solve it legally. So from hijacking to corporate formalities, like all the courses I got to take, you know, had some Amazon focus. So it's been a unique path. Um, even took like a class uh, that a lot of people and like my friends in law school are like, why are you taking fashion law? You are like the most unfashion forward person we know. And I was Can't like- tell? I mean, we're, <laughs> I was we're like, just dying with fashion yes. up here. And I was like, because people on Amazon have to deal with retail, they have to deal with imports, they have to deal with, you know, foreign currency, all these things that you know, you wouldn't think about that a fashion company has to deal with. And so that was actually taught by the uh, chief legal officer of Michael Kors. So it was actually a pretty unique course of real world, how a big, you know, global fashion bl- brand handles its, uh, its, you know, both e-commerce and bricks and mortar retail. So that ended up being probably my most valuable course I took in law school. So um, without further ado, I guess let's get started. Yeah. So that, that's a great introduction. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for coming out again. Yeah, thank you. So let's let's start with, uh, first of all, let's do a show of hands. How many people in the room have been selling on Amazon under a year or are going to start or haven't started selling on Amazon? Does that make sense? Raise your hands. So quite a few. Okay, so, and then how many have been selling on Amazon over a year? So a little bit smaller. Okay, all right. So why don't we start with uh, that, that? And the reason I ask is because that way we can kind of shape this to fit most of the room. And then, of course, uh, the more advanced sellers at the end, if you have advanced questions, we'd be happy to ask. You can ask them and, and Jeff will be happy to answer them. So, yeah. But uh, why don't we go over like getting started on Amazon? Like what's some things to watch out for or maybe some tips and advice before yeah. you get started or as you're getting started? So the first piece of advice I'd say is to approach Amazon as a business because you're launching into a global marketplace. When you start selling on Amazon, you'll have customers from all over the United States. I've sold to people in all 50 states. And then even through Amazon Global Export, I have orders that get sent to China, to Hong Kong, to the United Kingdom. And this is not through Amazon's you know, global selling program, which is totally different. This is just where Amazon can actually ships your orders internationally for you. And it's called Global Export. And if you don't have your account enabled for FBA Global Export, you're missing out on sales opportunities. So I would recommend checking for it. But it's a, um, but the point of why I'm saying this is because you have to make sure your products comply with the laws in not, not only the United States, but also think of possibly abroad. 
um, especially make sure your products are compliant. Jeff, I'm gonna stop you. So let's back yeah. up a little. Yeah. What about if I just grab a product yeah. and I start selling on Amazon? I haven't done anything. I'm sitting in my house one day and yeah. I'm like, you know what? I got this idea, I'm on Alibaba, pick up a product. I'm gonna start selling on Amazon. Is that a good idea to just start doing that? <laughs> <laughs> it really depends. Okay. So, um, Do I, should I have something to protect me legally? Legally, you should definitely, like if you're gonna take this serious, like if you're looking, you think you're gonna make money on it, you're gonna wanna start thinking about asset protection. So that means reaching out. And so like, that's what I was, what I was gonna say. When you start out a business, like a, if you like think about a bricks and mortar store down the street, if someone's opening an ice cream shop, they're gonna have a lawyer and they're gonna have an accountant or a CPA on their team. Not necessarily full time, but you know, they're gonna have those lined up before they start selling. And that's why we like, I always recommend it's like, I just, I approach business that way because that's how I approached it. You know, I had a lawyer before I became one that helped me with everything. I had an accountant that I've worked with for years. And the reason for that is because I'm building a legit, you know, business. Yeah. And if I, you know, if I approach it as a hobby, then I'm exposing myself personally to getting, you know, <laughs> the courts are going to view it as a business. So you need to approach it as a business. So like going to your question, what should you have? You definitely need some sort of asset structure. Now it's unique for everyone's situation, whether you'd have an LLC or a corporation, you know, y'all are all here in California. So the biggest issue that a lot of non-California sellers have to deal with is California's uh, fees. Unfortunately, y'all have to deal with it either way. So sometimes like I've seen on some of the guru sites and that's, first off, I, I have to say like, gurus are not the place to get information. They're not where you go for legal advice. Just because somebody has a Lamborghini doesn't mean that they're qualified <laughs> to tell you anything about Amazon. Especially maybe maybe Lamborghini, <laughs> <laughs> how to buy one. <laughs> maybe they know how to, how to buy a Lamborghini and negotiate a good price on that. But that's about it, you know, or at least one. I don't know yeah. how that goes. But um, it's, uh, so for instance, like if he, they're telling you, oh, you should be like form an LLC in Wyoming, the first question I always say when you see somebody referring something that specific is why? And they're probably giving you an affiliate link that gives them a commission when you form that LLC in Wyoming. And here's the bad news for people in California. When you form that LLC in Wyoming, you're gonna pay several hundred dollars in Wyoming LLC formation charges, and then you're gonna pay $1,700 to the California Franchise Tax Board when you come back and register it in California. Yeah. So now you've spent roughly $2,000 to $2,500 for a Wyoming LLC that's formed in both, you know, that's formed in Wyoming and foreign qualified in California, when if you would have gotten competent legal advice, they would have probably told you just form it either in Nevada uh, or you'd form it in California. Depends on your situation. And so that's the first step is to know your experts and know what people are, why they're su suggesting something. So watch out for that because it's a trap. Same thing goes with software. Like just because somebody puts uh, software in front of you and it's free and it's got a great free trial, don't necessarily just click the, I accept, give them MWS access because you're giving them access to all of your sales history and all of your product information. So, you know, for me- Except feedback whiz. We, well, we, we are partnered with Amazon. Right. So all your information is protected. So they're in the app store. Yes. And that means that Amazon has vetted their practices. They know that they're following Amazon code of ethics. Yep. And so that means that you can trust companies that are within that app store. Whereas somebody who's not in the app store, they might be just going out there because they want to collect data. And 
So you need to think, you know, like maybe they're giving six months free. Why are they giving six months free? It's because if they can get six months of your data, they know exactly what products they're selling, how much they're selling for. I mean, you know, it's you just got you got to really be careful. Powerful stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so it sounds like some advice yeah. you're giving is, uh, if you're going to start a business, probably want to get an LLC or a corporation to protect yourself, uh, just to make sure that you kind of have some. Obviously, go talk to a lawyer or somebody who. Uh, can advise you of what to do prior to starting that business. If yeah. you think it's a hobby, you never know though. I mean, we've seen people get on Amazon with one product and make, you know, millions of dollars. So, I mean, that can happen, right. but you just want to be careful. Exactly. So yeah, that's a, that's great advice. So I let's, mean, even like the LLC is like such a basic thing to have some sort of asset protection vehicle, you know, LLC corporation, whatever is set up. Um, when I was in law school, I actually got an interesting case. I had a uh, customer reach out to me, and they it was a uh, plugin sort of similar to a Glade plugin, and I, they they reached out with a picture through buyer seller messaging, and they said I plugged this in, and it was a really nice lady. She was from the deep south, so they're you know they're not very litigious. It wasn't you know New York or California. Sorry. <laughs> so, just, so she reached out. She was really sweet about it, but she goes I plugged this in and it caught on fire in my house. And it really messed up the uh, outlet and it messed up my, you know, this whole product. And when I reached out to Amazon, they wouldn't give me a refund because I was on day 32 of the return policy. She's like, how can you fix this so that I don't leave a one-star review and be upset with you? And I was like, I gave her a full refund and a product replacement. So not only did she give a five-star review, but she also never sued me. Which was a really good, that's, like, that's nice more, of her. <laughs> the really important thing. Thanks. For, thanks for not suing me. Yeah. For so when you're selling products, especially you know anything that goes on people into people, electronics, anything that's high risk, you've got to make sure you've got insurance. Um, Amazon requires a million dollar policy. Um, if you don't uh, have it already, there's an insurance broker that specializes in e-commerce. Her name's Ashlyn Haddon. I'd reach out to her because she can give you really you know, competitive rates in all 50 states. So make sure you talk to someone that knows what they're doing. Um, I've seen some regular insurance brokers, like they can write the policies, but then they don't quite understand the risk that Amazon entails. And so you might end up paying more because you're paying for like the same coverage that Amazon would take out versus someone that understands who, what a seller is. So yeah. So we, we may have jumped ahead a little bit. Yeah. So I want to back up just a smidge. Yeah. And let's, why don't you tell us a little bit about how, what got you into Amazon? Like, okay. how, did, how did you get into it? And what, <laughs> you know, what road did you take to get to, to that venture of being in Amazon and then eventually into uh, being an attorney? So I was in college and I was buying textbooks one day and I was, uh, there's like this little banner that popped up on the login screen that was like, have you ever dreamed of, you know, selling on Amazon? <laughs> And like back in high school, I'd don't click it. on it. <laughs> I'd owned an online don't store. Don't install it. <laughs> yeah. So like back in uh, in high school, I'd started an online store, and then my manufacturer went out of business because of the recession. So it was kind of like that was my first taste of e-commerce, and so then like that was over. I went to college, and it, everything was normal. And then that Amazon ad popped up, and they're like, "We'll give you six months free, where we won't charge you the forty dollars a month." I was like, okay, I'll see what happens here. So I, I did that, and this was before FBA. And so it was like I started selling at Merchant Fulfilled, and it was like an order here and there. And then FBA came out, and I was like, and I started trying to, new products in there. And then the manufacturer, one of the primary manufacturers I was selling at the time, reached out to me, and they're like, hey, we see what you're doing. We knew about your online store when you were a kid, because it was a family friend, and they were like, you know, 
go for it. you know like sell the hell out of it see what happens and so i tried to sell their product and it took off with fba and so it just kept growing from there so you know initially i had formed an llc myself as it grew i hired a lawyer to form a new llc didn't do it correctly because i started realizing that this could be an issue and luckily the new llc was in place when i got that call from the the customer whose product caught on fire but that was like when i was thinking back on it, i was like thank god i'd gotten insurance in that llc so it kind of just grew from there i mean it just it amazon is one of those things you'll either if you're, you'll either have a zero or a hero like you'll either break it and it's going to turn awesome or it's going to just kind of float by and maybe you'll get some sales here and there maybe you won't it just like it really depends and of course i was back in the stone ages of amazon where it was you know you could do anything you know suspensions were kind of unheard of back in the day like um i remember violating a couple of amazon policies and i got a uh, this was back when people in seattle would call you and they'd be like, hey, Jeff, I need you to pull up a computer. And uh, they'd tell you you'd go to Seller Central and you'd type in like the search term and it'd pull up this detailed policy manual. And they'd be like, now tell me what you did wrong here based on this, what you just read. And I was like, well, obviously it was had to do with case pack requirements. I remember this call because it's like I was trying to get avoid the multi shipments to different warehouses. And I was like, oh, I'm selling cases of 72 now instead of cases of 12. And they're like, so every case you've sent in the past was a case of 12. And all of a sudden now they're 72. <laughs> what, what happened here? I was like, well, obviously you caught me. So they're like, yeah, so just don't let this happen again. And of course, now that's like you get a suspension email that doesn't probably tell you what you've done wrong. It just says, you know, you're suspended and, you know, please help help us figure out why, you know, 20 questions later, you figure out what you did wrong and you write a plan of action. So it's like generic nowadays. Exactly. They don't get into details of here's what you did wrong. Yeah. So, so you started out in Amazon, start started out in Amazon. As I grew, um, I got invited to vendor central. Um, so that was pretty exciting. Like that was back in 2012 that I got a VC invite. And so the business is sort of, um, it kind of, you know, some months VC outpaces Seller Central, some months it doesn't. It's really Amazon's fluctuates quite a bit there. Yeah. Bipolar. So they don't know what they want. But um but yeah, so it's been I've gotten experience, you know, it's kinda cool. I've gotten to experience, you know, direct fulfillment, which is a vendor central version of seller fulfilled prime. Um, I've experienced, you know, purchase orders through vendor central. I've experienced seller fulfilled prime through seller central. Like any anything that y'all are experiencing, I've probably gone through it myself in the through the years and so it's it's been really exciting um, so was the whole idea to start on amazon you got mad or had a problem and then you're like i want to be an attorney how did that whole, and i know this isn't right so now you why don't you tell the story so uh, how did wanted, how did the attorney thing come up the attorney thing has always been like i wanted to be an attorney it just seemed like a natural fit okay um like my parents are always like and grandparents were always big on like you can't just go and get you know like just a bachelor's degree you've got to get more so i was like well i don't want to be a doctor so lawyer seems like the next, <laughs> the next, thing, next step <laughs> so the attorney was there and then as i was in law school and the business was growing is when i was like i want to be a lawyer for amazon sellers because there really is no one out there that understands what they're going through there's a, there are attorneys in the field that help amazon sellers but none of them have sold they're just sell they're just attorneys that see it as a profit center and so yeah. they grow the their business that way um there's also some to be out th out there that call themselves attorneys that are not even attorneys and those are the most dangerous ones of all that you have to watch out for as sellers so really doing your fact checking because if someone is in a foreign country and they're calling themselves a lawyer 
you kind of have to look and see why because like there's one guy out there who's been disbarred by the state bar of california and he's not in the united states now and he's a lawyer for amazon sellers and that's yeah know, <laughs> that's perfect that's so, something to worry about you know 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 your experts it all goes back to like do your due diligence before you fork over thousands of dollars to somebody that that's perfect so we were at dinner last night and Jeff's yeah. like, please don't ask me this question. And I said, I'm asking this question because <laughs> everybody else wants me to ask this question. Yes. So we all want to know what category <laughs> do you sell in? <laughs> and since you probably won't answer that, yeah. maybe tell us about a product that you had trouble with or that you're tell, tell them which one to avoid or besides so, the whole one on fire. Cause that, <laughs> that's uh, not, yeah, I would fun. not sell that one. <laughs> Um, I've always been big in the pet category. Um, the way I got into it is that I just, it was an area that I knew really well. Like I had connections there and so it was like something I could try. So my word of advice is don't pick categories because they look like they've got great numbers or because they fit some profile of like small, light, under $10 and easily importable. Go for what you know. So like if you go to the gym all the time and you know what products are really good for working out, like look for cat products in that category because you're gonna be able to write your product details descriptions about a lot better you'll know what images sell like I couldn't go out there and sell musical instruments because I don't know anything about music so it'd be really like yeah it'd be foolish to go out there and try to be like well this harmonica fits all this metrics for what you know this guru says you need to have but I don't <laughs> I have no clue like they could ship me a box of harmonicas that don't play and it'd sound terrible either way I try to do it and it, so it's not going to work so, I think it's one of those things though that I mean everybody kind of has a little niche that they yeah. go into and, and it's not and I don't think you're saying that you couldn't go into those other areas it's yeah. one of those things that start if you're going to start and yeah. on amazon maybe start with an area that you have a little more if not expertise a little more understanding of that category and then while you're running that category you can look at other categories that you may want to go into and try to kind of develop your uh, expertise in that area uh, slowly and not just yeah. jump in there and buy a bunch of inventory in a category you don't know and you're going to lose money right so is that kind of summing up what you're saying exactly i mean like i um I've dabbled in other categories beyond my own. Usually I end up like getting out of it because it's just not a, it's not something I'm passionate about like animals where I just like, I'm passionate about these products. I know all the major players. Um, my situation is a little bit different because all my products are made in the United States. So that's my claim to fame. Like I don't invest in anything that's not in the United States because I'm willing to pay a premium for products made in Texas or wherever they're made versus being made abroad. And that's just, you know, it's very category specific. Obviously in the electronics category, that would never work. So, um, but like, if you know electronics really well, that might be a category to look into. You have to be careful though, because some of these categories are super competitive, like the, um, and have a lot of black hat tactics. So if you see like an ultra competitive category, that's got a lot of foreign sellers that are all competing in it, you might want to watch out. Um, because unfortunately the reality of the game is that it's, um, it's not only what you know, but it's who you know sometimes on Amazon. And so I've been really fortunate to not deal my, on my own listings with too many black hat tactics because it just doesn't happen as frequently. It happens probably once a month versus where I know some people it's every day. Um, whereas, you know, and that's, and that's really comes down to the category that you're in. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. I mean, you gotta, you gotta pick something that you, 
definitely know at least a little bit about. Uh, right. So, you you know, you're going to get questions on it. Correct. Customers are going to email you and say, like, this product I purchased from you doesn't work. And if you don't understand how it works yourself, how are you going to answer that question? Yeah. Um, it also goes down to item not as described claims. You're going to get those because if you're just relying on your manufacturer to tell you a product sheet, like these are all the specific features, but you don't know what that means, then you're going to get an item not as, not as described claimed or have your ASIN shut down because customers are reading the bullet points and you haven't been, you don't understand how to explain it better and it's going to be a poor customer experience. Yeah. It also, that's another important thing too. Um, a lot of people go to AliExpress and that they'll buy from Alibaba or AliExpress, they'll buy a product and they'll think that because that someone else has used that same product image on a listing that you can just go and list on that detail page. And I'm talking about like this microphone right here might be on Alibaba. This came, this came from Amazon. Okay. Yes. So, so like it says Elvoxcon and I might go and see this on Alibaba and I'm going to buy it and I'm going to slap my name, my label on it and then put it on that Alvoxcon label. You can't legally do that because you're putting your product on someone else's. Even if they stole the Alibaba image to put it on their listing, you can't still join that because now you're engaging in you know trademark infringement. Or if they don't have a trademark, you're at least going to have an issue with yeah. you know item not as, as described or you know incorrect products. So make sure you understand the rules of the game before you start playing in the game because it's Amazon sandbox and they enforce their rules really harshly and i didn't know well it'll work about once and then after that uh, they kind of they don't play around as much so it's like representation i mean if if, yeah. if you're representing that this is my mic and i've got my name on it yeah. somebody else comes along even if it looks identical yeah. just the fact that our my product name is on there right. means i own that listing is that what we're saying exactly so, so listings are not generic there's no such thing as a generic listing on amazon even if you think it's generic it's it's you know uh, i've even seen people sell flour on amazon and you can't um you can't just be like well i sell flour too and i'm going to throw this on this listing like no it doesn't work that way so listings are product specific so make sure and that the same thing goes if you're doing retail arbitrage um a lot of times listings on amazon especially in the electronics for instance like an lg television the model number for amazon might be lg 42 hd az which would mean it's a 42 inch hd tv for amazon and the model that sold at best buy would be lg 42 hd bb best buy so retail arbitrage sellers you can't go out there and buy that and then throw it onto the az listing it's not exactly the same because it's wow. not the same even though it's got even though the box is identical and the features are exactly the same because there's one element that's not the same you'll end up getting a claim and if you get an a to z claim the customer is going to get to keep that television for free if Oof. they and that's a, that's a hit to your bottom line right so yeah well you brought up two good questions uh so retail arbitrage anybody in the room do retail arbitrage no anybody not know what retail arbitrage is okay so why don't we we do have a couple of people so just i'll give a real high level of what retail arbitrage is because when, before i came to work at feedback Wiz, i was doing it and didn't even know that had a name for it so retail arbitrage actually is a, a couple levels to it if i understood this correctly the the one you probably see on youtube is people go out to say like a best buy or a, a walmart they find something that's being uh, let's say discounted yeah. and then they look on amazon and find that it's being sold for a higher amount they purchase it they send it to fba 
and they sell it basically on Amazon. That's the basics of it. There's also another level of going to thrift stores and selling stuff, but usually with Amazon, it has to be brand new, whereas a lot of people do retail arbitrage on eBay. Okay. So I have a good question for you then, Okay. because it, I think you gave a great tip and hopefully everybody took note of this. We were talking about these microphones and we're talking yeah. about the name that's on them, right? right? So if I went out and got a set of these microphones, and let's say I get them in from China yeah. and they don't have my name on them, and let's say if I was able to print a clear sticker that had my name on it, would that still qualify to say this is my brand now of it? It should. I okay. mean, even if it didn't have a clear sticker with your name on it, if you create a new listing on Amazon, you you know, Amazon owns that detail page. You know, that's the first big hurdle a lot of sellers don't understand is that when you contribute the detail page content to Amazon, it's theirs forever. But it's, you know, but you can create a detail page and call it Jeff's microphone or Rob's microphones on Amazon um, the key things to watch out for is use your own image yeah. you don't want to take the image off Alibaba even though they're probably professional photography um, the well, a lot of times they're picked up off of other sites I've noticed correct yeah so that's the, that's they're not the, even theirs right and there's crawlers now that you know sellers can go through and you know kick off everyone in their category that stole the image because you know seller a has product photography done this looks great the seller a is photographer uh, photographer and then seller b goes in there and steals the image and makes their own listing and then the manufacturer goes in there and steals the image from seller b and puts it in alibaba and then seller c goes and steals the image off alibaba and puts it on their listing and then seller a goes in and says haha guess what i'm going to knock off all of you people and files a uh, copyright infringement complaint and has those wow. images taken down for everybody. So you have to, if you're doing private label, you've got to have your own images. You've also got to write your own text. So if you have a VA, um, I've personally never used one, so I don't have to. Everybody know what a VA is? Virtual assistant? So okay. virtual assistant, you go to the Philippines. Um, I think uh, it's called Upwork is the big one that people go to. Free up, Upwork, Free up, there's, yeah. there's, just look it up, yeah. Google it. So if you have a virtual assistant, and you tell them, go out and make this amazing product description for me in bullet points. Um, I've heard a lot of times that they just go and find your competitor's listing and they paraphrase, which maybe means that instead of saying, like, this microphone has great audio quality, they'll say, like, this microphone has good audio quality. Silver versus gray. <laughs> yeah, like, <you> know. <laughs> something like that. So, um, and that still could be considered copyright infringement. So, really make your own do your own work because you know nike's not going to go out there and copy under armor and you know steal their images and just change them slightly i mean if you're running a real business you've got to treat it like a real business and that means fact checking everything that's being done and especially your claims that you're making on your labels um if you're in the nutritional supplements uh space um we see this all the time like you can't just put on there like gives you amazing, you know, benefits X, Y, Z, you know, cures cancer. Like you can't say stuff like that because the laws of the United States still apply. The FDA has strict label requirements for health supplements and they'll send you a C and D letter. And, you know, people hate, like to send out C and Ds and sellers ignore them or whatever happens. When the FDA sends you a C and D, you better listen to it because yeah. if you ignore that cease and desist letter, uh, fine and penalties is coming next so yeah it's you know we've seen that somewhat regularly with the clients that we work with that you know the fda trolls amazon and they'll you know every once in a while they'll go on a you know a little trolling 
spree and they'll fire off just hundreds of letters to these companies and wow you know amazon turns over your information right away when the government comes asking for it so you can have a wyoming llc and think that you've hidden yourself pretty well or whatever llc you've you think you're hiding behind but when the fda comes to amazon or the state of california comes to amazon and says tell us who this is they'll hand over everything about yeah. your account to them so that they can figure out your home address you know your purchase history from your you know they know who you are it's not hard to figure out so 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 if we're starting a business yes. the jeff and rob llc yes we're gonna go on alibaba get some mics <laughs> okay we're the jeff and rob mics yes we're gonna put a label on them <laughs> make sure that they're ours or, or have them screen printed yes we're gonna do our own images make our own descriptions and titles and sell on amazon and make a million dollars there you go <laughs> that'd be the that'd that's be the, the end <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. so what about uh let's talk about some tools do, do you use any tools or software or anything to uh, help sellers sell on amazon or find products any one of those um so i don't use any of the product research tools myself oh I, man uh, that's right we got a demo set up for them on monday yeah. so <laughs> but i um i do use feedback software i'm in the process of uh, switching to feedback whiz because mine is not powerful enough and so i'm excited to switch to awesome. theirs now that i've seen it um it's uh as far as like i do have um, how do you find new products then like uh, what's what's your strategy for finding a new product to sell on on amazon um, so for me, selling on Amazon, uh, it really comes down to working with manufacturers at this point. Okay. And so within my space, we work with them. And so we take an integrated approach for brand management. So we reach out to them. We see if they've been selling on Amazon. If they are not selling or they don't understand it, then we're able to offer them a complete solution where I show them, you know, like, we'll create your listings for you. And then our law firm does all the brand management um you know legal aspects so removing hijackers removing unauthorized sellers and so that really gets in there to so for the brand so yeah. we, our typical brand that we work with is you know north of eight figures and oh wow pretty much you know, eight nine ten figure brands and that's what we're kind of our target market is now so i mean people so. people could build up to that right i mean that's something that yeah. they can get going on amazon after <clears throat> they get their llc yeah. corporation and work up to yeah. something like that no for the sellers that we work with you know like that's we definitely work with sellers across the spectrum so sellers that are just starting up that are you know kitchen table enterprises all the way to like people that are in the million dollar sellers group so we work with everyone across the spectrum yeah it's just for like finding products like i don't i just like i'm not doing like actively involved in doing like researching products own, yeah reaching like researching and launching my own versions of products this day and age because yeah it just doesn't fit with the so yeah you haven't been over to china and into like 100 factories like i did back in the day um so every <laughs> no no I, i've been to china not a fun. couple times um <laughs> but not for product purposes not yeah. for researching products so because all my the most of our manufacturers that we work with either make products in the united states or in france and it's just the the nature of where they yeah. find their manufacturing centers what about any stories or things that have happened with your manufacturer that i mean th issues you've run into or maybe I mean, some tips that you could give on dealing with manufacturers have a contingency plan uh one of our manufacturers um, was using a uh, factory here in the United States and the person who owned the factory died unexpectedly of a heart attack and they didn't have a contingency plan for where to go so that was a uh, supply chain disruption that yeah. was finally just resolved and it's uh, been a, it's been interesting because it was a plan B yeah, you have a factory B. factory B or manufacturer yeah. B exactly yeah. so have multiple you know sources if you are sourcing abroad a lot of um, 
uh, issues that I've seen with sellers facing hijackers stem from the fact that they'll go to one manufacturer and they'll say, oh, make this microphone for me. And that manufacturer is going to make the microphone, they're going to make the packaging, they're going to give a complete product. The problem with that is that now the manufacturer knows what your ASIN is. They know because they're putting the stickers on for you and they're shipping it direct to Amazon and they know all the components. So some of these factories will actually overrun the batches and so like you tell them to make me a thousand microphones and the manufacturer makes 1500 with the same lot number and they ship them to they ship 500 now to amazon under their own amazon seller account and compete with you for the buy box except you paid the manufacturer two dollars per microphone and their cost basis is 50 cents per microphone yep and now you're competing for the buy box you just somebody, paid for their inventory right <laughs> so uh, a lot of like there's some strategy that goes into that you know Maybe you want this microphone to be made by, by manufacturer A, and then you're going to pair it with a receiver, mm. and you're going to have the receiver made by manufacturer B. Of course, you got to make for interoperability. Yeah. But you would have two different manufacturers, and then both of them are going to ship them to a prep center that you've gone and verified in the United States. Yeah. And so that prep center is going to, sh you know, you're going to receive them in the prep center and then maybe you'll have your packaging made at manufacturer C, who's also going to ship to the prep center. And then you're going to combine all of those and have the prep center ship it to Amazon. Um, you know, I'm fortunate we've got a decent amount of real estate. So if I receive inventory, I can, yeah, we receive it yourself. ourselves. We don't, yeah. I don't use a prep center, but it's, I know here in California space is a premium. So oh, yeah. probably prep centers is more cost effective than renting warehouse space yeah so so the jeff and rob microphone's been knocked off now by the manufacturer by who the made manufacturer. them so what so what, like, if we do get them or when we get them what about like launch strategy i mean do you have any strategy or suggestions when we go to actually launch this or some tips on you know trying to get that uh on amazon ranking high um Talk to somebody that knows more about this than I do. <laughs> Look for the uh, people out there that are willing to admit when they don't know something. So launch strategy for me is not as, it's never been as important. Sure. Because sure. Um, the products that, we're, that I represent, are they already have a following. Okay. So it's just, we're creating listings on Amazon. We're incorporating some of the traditional elements of like, you know, trying to get reviews. And that's where the you know review software yeah. comes in handy. But we don't have, I've never used like a viral launch or a, you know, any of these launch services. Sure. Because, um, quite frankly, rankings for our products don't matter. Yeah. As much as just them showing up when somebody's searching for that product because they've already purchased it at a traditional bricks and mortar retailer. So that's, you know. Yeah. Where how, we're how about this then? So we get you on Feedback Quiz. Yeah. And you set up our new tool that just came out a week ago our hijacking alert okay so the the jeff and rob microphones <laughs> just got an alert that somebody jumped on our listings yeah i'm going to get mad and stomp my feet and call my lawyer that's a good place to start <laughs> because the fact why don't you that, tell us what you should do <laughs> yeah what's, what's would, the right process you get mad <laughs> maybe, maybe not stop your feet don't put your hand through yeah. the wall or something <laughs> but you definitely want to reach out to your lawyer first because they're the ones that can advise you what your legal rights are because hijacking typically is just a fancy term that's been invented invented in the amazon world for trademark infringement or copyright infringement or some form of intellectual property infringement so Amazon gurus like to create fancy terms like hijacking because it steers you away from the real experts. So you can now have a consultant out there who's selling their, saying that they help you solve your hijacking problem and pay me you know, $1,500 to solve your hijacking problem 
so I have a hijacking solution, when in the reality you should have gone to an intellectual property lawyer who would legally solve your intellectual property infringement problem. So, you know, it's a, uh, so the lawyer is going to look at whether you have a trademark, whether the trademark covers your categories that you're, you know, that you're covering because, um, for instance, to get on brand registry, some people will go out and get a trademark in Mexico or Germany or the United Kingdom, and that lets you have enhanced brand content. But you have no legal rights in the United States when somebody jumps on your listing. So the lawyer's going to look at that first. If they determine that you've got rights that are being violated, they're going to do more research into it. They're going to prepare a proper cease and desist letter that's custom to your situation. So, you know, like when I prepare a C&D for a client, it's got case law where it talks to cases that are at issue. It's got their specific trademarks or intellectual property that's being infringed. You know, we're going to list all these things and it's going to be in a readable format, but also a lawyer drafted format and it can, sh it shows. So when people receive our cease and desist letters, they usually, you know, they take notice and they act upon them. And if they don't act upon the first one, we can send multiple and we don't usually send them through buyer seller messaging because it's not effective. If I just get in, you know, if you get a cease and desist letter through buyer seller messaging, there's no teeth behind it. So ours show up by UPS because we do the research to make sure that the trademarks are in place and to uncover the seller's, you know, real identity and we'll send it to their home and we'll send it to their work address if we have it. I mean, we've got special tools in the legal world that, I mean, you know, the amount of data that are on people out there is quite astonishing. I mean, when we're looking somebody up, we're looking through, you know, PG&E records, we're looking through Equifax, you know, through the California DMV. I mean, you name it, our software is going to search it. And that's how we're going to find somebody that's hijacked the listing. So, so we need a disclaimer. Please don't try this at home. Yeah, Please, I mean, don't, don't try to go research you, you this yourself. You can try it yourself, but it doesn't work because if you don't have the... But Jeff, my friend, found this free template, a C&D online. I know. And I should use that, right? Like, I should just, when they get on my listing, I'll just send that to them. Shouldn't I do that? You could certainly try. It's probably not going to be effective. <laughs> the answer is no, right? <laughs> get a hold of Jeff. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's uh, pretty funny. Uh, Jeff was telling some great stories last night. <laughs> yeah, quick. And, and just so yeah. you're basically asking, uh, the question was asked, if somebody jumps on your listing or hijacks your listing and they're not in the United States, it could be even the manufacturer who who took over our microphone and made extra and they jumped on our listing for some reason, how do you address something where they're not in the United States? Right. So that situation is trickier. Um, it comes down to like our tool luckily is not specific just to the US jurisdiction. So we're still going to do our research and see if we can locate, you know, an email address or something. We're probably not going to ship it by UPS to them in China because it's not as effective. Um, we really, you know, it it depends on the situation. I mean, we might in that case, you know, if there depends on the infringement as well. So if someone's there's clear evidence of trademark infringement, you know, that's when we start looking out at Amazon tools for reporting trademark infringement. It's the the main issue that pops up is when sellers just willy nilly use the Amazon report infringement tool and they think like, oh, this person just popped up. They have to be fake. I'm going to go ahead and report it as fake. And if you're reporting, so if you make too many reports through the brand registry infringement tool, 
Amazon's going to stop responding to those reports. And you'll start yeah. getting this very generic email back that says, thank you for your email, but we cannot accept your complaint because Amazon doesn't enforce exclusive distribution contracts. Please, you know, use the legal system to figure this out on your own. Crying wolf too many times. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really fact specific. I mean, in the case of someone from China, if we can legitimately figure out that they're infringing, and that means, you know, test buys and everything else, then we'll report it through the proper channels with Amazon to deal with it. So it's, it's case specific. Yeah. So Jeff, why don't you go over maybe a little bit of, of what does your law firm handle for Amazon? Like uh, we yeah. talked about hijackings. What other things that you guys could help with? Um, tax, like sales tax and income tax compliance um, is a big issue because... Uh, oh, wait, let me... Let me yeah. So probably one of the questions we should ask is yeah. obviously California, you do your firm handle California. What other states does your firm handle? So any of the issues that are like intellectual property, for instance, is a national concept. So that's trademark law is the Lanham Act. So that's the United States. So we can handle that in all 50 states. If it's a state law issue, then we can handle specific state law issues in California, Florida, New Jersey, um, Connecticut, and Illinois. Um, and the list keeps growing because we're adding more lawyers pretty much all the time. So Jeff's, Jeff's taking his bar in July for California. Yeah. So we have a lawyer already out here in California, but I'm taking the California bar in July because apparently I like torture too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, realistically, the reason why is because I think that the next wave of compliance for Amazon sellers is going to be Proposition 65. <clears throat> Why don't you explain that prop a little bit? So Proposition 65 in California is the uh, the regulation that it, which is the reason why in California all these buildings have these giant signs that say, you know, this building contains X chemical that's known to cause birth defects and cancer to the, to the state of California. Um, it's, uh, it's not just a buildings thing. It's a products thing, too. So if you're selling products to California consumers, they have to comply with Proposition 65. And so I think the next wave of compliance is going to be the products that have harmful chemicals that are on that California Prop 65 list that don't disclose it and don't have the appropriate symbols, which I think is, uh, tw is a 2019 update to Prop 65 is that you have to have special warning symbols that are like little triangles and stuff. Yeah. And so if you're selling a product that requires Proposition 65 compliance, it, it's a real deal. There's actually a lawyer... Um, that I've run across that I know I don't know him personally. I just know of him. Um, he actually is teamed up with a uh, California resident. He basically takes um, he order they figure out which products are selling well on Amazon, and they order them. And so they specifically love to target the nutritional supplement space. And they'll we're talking about like he'll order a thousand dollars worth of products at a time and get just gigantic boxes from Amazon, and then he sends them to a lab in Sacramento who tests every single one of these products to see if a, if a uh, one of the Prop 65 ingredients shows up. And if it's on there, he issues a uh, demand letter for 100 grand and then sues you because Prop 65 is a, uh, it's a private enforcement statute with a public enforcement element. So if a lawyer starts the case, it's the people of the state of California versus manufacturer and Amazon. And if the lawyer starts the case um, and California DOJ likes what they've done so far, they'll pick it up and then pay the lawyer his cut of whatever's collected. Wow. So this guy is now actively targeting Amazon's, Amazon sellers because guess what? You're businesses and you have to comply with the law. Yeah. And that's so it's 
you know that I think is the next wave of compliance to hit the space. Doesn't that make you want to move out to California? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think California causes. So cancer. you brought up. You brought up. <laughs> <laughs> So you brought up a good point, actually. Yeah. And, and uh, anybody in here selling on eBay also? And not to get a little off topic, because I know this is more Amazon. So I actually do occasionally sell stuff on eBay. And actually, the Prop 65 window just popped up recently. Really? Yes. And there's a box in there now you have to fill in if it's Prop 65. Of course, yeah. I don't know if it is or not, because a lot of stuff I'm selling is used yeah. or my own personal stuff, right? right? But I actually noticed it uh, about two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Really? It it's, actually it's on Vendor up. Central now. There's a Prop 65 so. because uh, now it's got all the symbols that you can choose from and yeah. it's a whole tab that's Prop 65 compliance in Vendor Central when you're launching products. So it's, yeah. I think Amazon is taking notice because um, it's the retailer that can get sued and then also the manufacturer and pretty much anyone in the supply chain. And so Amazon, doesn't want to be sued under prop 65 because they have deep pockets and they have a lot to lose from it so so one thing one thing i learned from talking to jeff last night at dinner is uh you you have to be responsible for your own business you can't yeah. just start selling something and be like uh i didn't know that and then all of a sudden you're being sued so right. it, it's up to you to go out there find out this information or have an attorney who could guide you on it uh to know some of these yeah. little pitfalls you have to watch out for when you're starting a business and selling exactly so so jeff's on my speed dial now so <laughs> yeah i mean anything like you, when you're starting a business you have to think there's intellectual property risks like they're basically landmines that you can run across there's intellectual property landmines so you know are you infringing on someone's trademark or on their patent you know, I didn't know that somebody had a patent is not a defense to the fact that there's, you know, that patents exist. Like, um, I don't know, I don't see any in the audience right now, but how many of y'all have heard of Blender Bottle? Okay, so Blender Bottle has- A few has people. A, a few people. So yep. Blender Bottle is like a pretty cool bottle that you put protein powder in and it's got a little ball that you, like when you put water in the protein powder, you shake it up and it mixes it for you. Um, if you go to China, and like when I was there in October, I saw a ton of them. They're, they'll sell you blender bottles and they call them mixer bottles. And you can get your own blender bottle made with your logo on it. Except here's a problem. Blender bottle has like 17 patents in the United States on this bottle. But ranging from utility patents for the mixing mechanism to design patents for the lid. And most of these Chinese blender bottles are exact knock knockoffs wow. of the regular blender bottle. And if you ask the manufacturer at the trade show booth, if you can sell this in the United States, the answer is going to be, of course you can. If you import that product into the United States, it's either going to be seized at customs because Blender Bottle has registered all of their intellectual property through the Customs and Border Protection, Protection yep. um, registration program. So it's either going to be seized by customs or in the rare event that it makes it to Amazon, they're going to take it down for patent infringement. And so I know of a seller who was trying to sell these, you know, I, his case, he wasn't selling blender bottles. He was selling um, some sort of like scotch, um, scotch bottle that you could mix scotch with. And there was a company out there that was like one of the alcohol companies that had a patent for um, frozen ice balls. And so he was trying to sell this like bottle that had a frozen ice ball in it. And now the seller has like 2000 frozen Worthless. ice balls in his basement and he's like yeah i give them out as christmas presents i just can't get anyone to take them at this point because you can't sell them and yeah you, so 
Um, and people even will be like, oh, I got a notice of infringement. You know, this company, Blender Bottle, sent me, you know, a cease and desist letter. So I can sell it on, you know, eBay, right? <laughs> no, you can't. You're, you're stuck with it. And that's, that's where, before you start selling a product, you've got to do your due diligence. You know, check for trademarks, check for patents, check for copyrights, yeah. all these. Before you invest all that money, too. Right, because the last thing you want to do is buy, you know, 10,000 blender bottles and be stuck with that in your basement because yeah. you didn't do your due diligence. You're absolutely right. I, I've, I've been to a lot of trade shows in China yeah. and we'd go over there and we'd find, you know, maybe 40, 50 products and good pricing. And of course they all want to sell it to you. And then you get back and you start really researching, okay, can I sell this? And yeah. man, some of the things I found trademarks on, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. I can't believe somebody trademarked that, or I can't believe that trademark let them trademark that right. because it was almost like a very generic general item, yeah. but it's just one of those things that you just got to, I mean, uh, Velcro. Oh, yeah. Don't Velcro. call Are we getting in trouble? I'll cut it out of the tape because we're getting in trouble <laughs> calling it Velcro. So, hook and loop. Yes, it's a hook and loop closure. for If you're yep. selling an item that contains a, uh, a closing device that's made of hook and loop, um, unless you license Velcro from the Velcro yep. company or 3M, I guess is who it is. I think now. it's, yeah, I think it's 3M now. Yeah. So it's, that's, you know, watch things to watch out for. Um, seller support, uh, they usually don't know what they're talking about. So I've seen emails from sellers to seller support. One of them was launching a uh, line of um, like running gear and they were gonna call it Nike, N-I-K-E-Y. And they emailed seller support and they said, can I sell, can I sell this on Amazon? Um, because it's, I see that N-I-K-E is brand, you know, registered and restricted. And the seller support says, greetings from seller support. You know, this is, you know, so-and-so. I'm happy to inform you that you can sell it on Amazon. And yeah, that's not going to work. Like, just because they, you know, so seller support told me so is not a defense, even to seller performance. Like, yeah. if you're violating Amazon policy and you, oh, there's a question there. No, we're, we're, we'll yeah. get Q&A in just a couple minutes. Like, if you're violating Amazon policy and you have an email from seller support saying it's okay, and you try to present that to seller performance, they're usually not going to take it because it's not a, you know, what they say has no precedent at seller support. Yeah. It's just, you're talking to the, like the lowest people that answer emails on Amazon. And so you, you got to be careful yeah. where you're getting the information from. And even though it's from Amazon, you got to be careful, like re-verify it yourself. Exactly. You, know, you know, check the terms of service, check the seller university pages. If you got really good resources at Amazon that tell you everything you need to know about selling for the most part and how to do it within terms of service, make sure you familiarize yourself with that first, you know? Yeah. Same thing goes like for courses, you know, know who your course provider is. Just because somebody is really, you know, has great marketing doesn't mean they know Amazon. So, yeah. you know, there's course providers all over the country and some of them have never even sold on Amazon or maybe they've sold like a hundred grand worth of stuff on Amazon in their history, but they're great at marketing and they're great at YouTube. And so they've got, you know, they made money that way. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm so, great at marketing and YouTube, but I don't I don't have a Lamborghini out back. So, yeah. but yeah, that's awesome. So, how about a, a big round of applause for Jeff? Yeah. Be sure to visit feedbackwiz.com. Use promo code WIZ50. That's W H I Z five zero to get a free thirty day trial and fifty percent off your first month subscription. Thanks for joining us this week on the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Podcast.
Special thanks to our sponsor, FeedbackWiz.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Spotify. That way, you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found the show helpful, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us also. Join us next week for more great tips to help Amazon sellers dominate the marketplace. 